Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Good morning, Southside Church. Whether you are watching in person or online today, I want you to know it is an absolute privilege for me to be with you today. And what's kind of cool is like, I'm online today. So online people, I am with you. In-person people, I am with you in spirit. I wanted to start today off with a passage of scripture that has always stirred my imagination. It's out of the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse 14. It says this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So interesting. What it means is this. If you want to understand the character of God, you need to look no further than the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God incarnate. The word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Some commentators refer to Jesus as God with a bot. It's really interesting, but the truth is God sent Jesus as a gift to you and me. See, somewhere deep inside, I believe for every single one of us, in the deepest places of our heart, we desire a life of purpose and power and peace. We desire mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. We desire hope and vision and eternity. But at the same time, we sort of know we can't pull it off on our own. And that's why God sent Jesus, an expression of God's love for his kids, for you and for me, God with a bot. And it got me thinking this week that, that while Jesus is God with a bot, a human expression of the character of God, the Bible is the word of God, God in a book. So Jesus tells us that those deepest longings of our life are actually possible. And this book, the Bible, shows us the way. Jesus shows us that it's possible. This book tells us the story of Jesus, but also shows us the way to the life that we all so desperately want today, tomorrow, and forever. God in a book, the inspired word of God. It's so important, you know, because two weeks from today, we are celebrating a baptism. July the 18th, right here, it's gonna be, I was gonna say it's gonna be the biggest celebration we've ever had in the new church, but that's not entirely true because I look back and we had 12,000 people at the Wonder drive through last Christmas. So it might not be that big, but it's gonna be big and it's gonna be awesome. And I really want you to get baptized. If you have not been baptized, you really need to step up and get baptized. Why? Let me say it again. God sent Jesus, God with a bod, but he also sent, his, sent us his book. Jesus shows us that the life that we've always wanted, that we desire at our deepest parts, that, that is possible and the Bible shows us the way. And the Bible says, believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. See, Romans chapter 10, verse nine says it this way. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. So if you believe in Jesus, if you've acknowledged Jesus in your life, you will be saved. Eternal life is yours, my friend. That is so exciting. But in the meantime, between now and eternity, I believe that God has an incredible life for you to live. A life of power and purpose and peace and love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and hope and vision and all of it. Well, how do we get there? 
read the Bible and do what it says. And the Bible says, believe and be baptized. It's an outward expression of this inward commitment, right? You, you, you go down in the water and, and you say, I'm putting my old ways behind me. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm putting my regret behind me. I'm putting my shame behind me. I, I, I'm, I'm putting my baggage behind me. But also, you know what else I'm putting behind me? I'm putting behind me the illusion of self-reliance, the illusion of performance-based acceptance, that these deepest desires inside of me, that I can pull this off on my own. When I get baptized, I'm confessing, I can't do it on my own. But then I come up out of the water and I say, but Jesus, with you I can. Believe and be baptized. It's such a big deal. I'm not saying, man, if you get baptized, your whole life is going to be easy, but it's going to be powerful. It's going to be purposeful. It's going to be a life of greater peace and greater mercy and grace and love and joy and hope. And here's why it really matters to me for two reasons. Number one, it really matters to me that you live the life that you were created to live. Man, I want, I want your wife or your husband to see it. I want your kids to see it. I want your friends to see it. I want this city to see it. I want you to live it for you, but I also want you to live it for the city. Man, we're here to change the city. We're, we're here to bring hope and purpose and power to the city. And we can't do that as lukewarm believers. We got to step up. Jesus showed us it's possible. The Bible shows us the way. Let's do this. Come on now. Let's go. If you believe, it's time. Let's get baptized. Two weeks today, it's going to be a party. If you lived a real rough life like I did before I became a Christian, we'll hold you under the water a little bit longer. It's going to be great. And powerful. And purposeful. With the promise of peace. And mercy. And love. And grace. And hope. And joy. That's the plan. So if you have not yet been baptized, just take a second right now. And text the keyword DUNK. D-U-N-K to 604-670-3040. I can't wait. It's going to be a celebration. A celebration for me as I see you step into everything that you were created to live. But I believe also a celebration for this city. Because man, when this city, when your family, when your friends see you unleash everything that you can be, it's going to be amazing. And that's the same thing about this series that we're in on the Ten Commandments right now. The, the Ten Commandments are really ten expressions of God showing us the way to this life that Jesus made possible for us to live. Does that make sense? Ten expressions of the way that we get there, that we draw near to God and He draws near to us. And so today we're in the ninth of the Ten Commandments. It's Exodus 20, verse 16. It says, No lies about your neighbor. No lies about your neighbor. This is so important. Your words matter. You know this. Your words matter. I don't have to convince you of this. You know it. That, that, that words have the power of life and death. Words have the power to build up or to tear down. That you were created in the image of God and God spoke the universe into existence. And so your words have the power to create or to destroy. Your words really matter. And the ninth commandment addresses that. No lies about your neighbor. So we're going to talk today a little bit about how you speak of people and how you speak to people. The Bible says that there's three ways that you and me can actually 
lie to and about our neighbors. The first is gossip. One way to categorize, categorize gossip would be this. Gossip is careless words. Careless words. So you find out something about someone. Maybe you found out that something from that someone. Maybe you found it out from another someone. But you find out something about someone. And you carelessly share it with people who are not part of the problem or part of the solution. And there's a lot of damage done with gossip. In fact, the damage done by gossip is exponential. Because you can't undo it, right? Like to try to ungossip is like to try to unring a bell. It can't be done. Years ago, there was a priest working in a, a little village up in the Swiss Alps. And there was a particular man in that village who was the town gossip. And he gossiped and gossiped and gossiped and gossiped. And this priest was trying to get this guy to stop. He lectured him, he, he, he yelled at him, he tried to encourage him, he tried everything that he could think of to cajole this guy to stop gossiping and nothing worked until finally one day the priest says, I want you to meet me tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. in the town square. And so the guy shows up and then the priest is waiting there with a knife in his hand and he stabbed the guy. No, he, he didn't stab the guy. It was an illustration, okay? He had a knife in one hand and he had a feather pillow in the other hand and he took that knife and he tore open the feather pillow and then he threw all the feathers in the pillow out to catch in the wind. And he looked at the man and he said, meet me here again tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. They met again next day at 7 a.m. And the priest says, now what I want you to do is I want you to take this empty pillowcase and I want you to gather in every single feather. And then you'll begin to realize the far-reaching damage that your gossip does. See, the first way that we can lie about our neighbor is by gossip. We share something, might be partly true, might not be, might be a lie, we might not really know. The first way we can lie about our neighbor is gossip, and the second is slander. Now while gossip is careless, slander is calculated. Slander is when you lie about somebody and your goal is clearly to hurt them. That's it. It's funny because the damage of slander is extreme. I don't need to convince you of that. If I had the opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one with anybody who is here in person today or watching online today, and I asked you, hey, tell me about every word that has ever been spoken to you to tear you down, every word of hatred, every word of angry, every calculated word that was meant to, uh, to hurt you. I bet you could, or you could come close. That's why it's so funny that when we're kids, we say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, rubbish. It's just not true. And at the risk of getting a little bit heavy here, can I suggest that there's people in this world that if I sat down with them one-on-one -on -one and I said, can you tell me about the words that really cut you down and the words that really hurt you? They might tell me the story and the words that were spoken might be words that you spoke. It's a big deal. Your words matter. So there's three ways that you can lie about people. The first is gossip, the second is slander, and the third is flattery. Flattery is kind of conniving. You tell people what they want to hear rather than the truth because you want something from them. And I, I, I think we're all tempted to flatter from time to time to say things that aren't necessarily true. 
Maybe in the last month you can remember saying something like this. You say to somebody, I love the present that you got me, but maybe you don't love it. Or I would love to go on a date with you, but I'm busy that night, but maybe you don't want to go on a date with that person. Or you say, man, we have got to get together soon, but you don't want to get together. Or you say, you look great in those jeans. No explanation required. Flattery. Flattery is telling somebody what they want to hear rather than telling them the truth. And the problem with it is that it really damages people. Because what happens is when people spend their life getting flattered, and we see it a lot in our culture with the rich and the famous and the beautiful, when they spend their life getting flattered, what happens? They end up with these huge blind spots. There's things that they never learn about each other because everyone around them, they can surround themselves with people who tell them what they want to hear rather than, pe- than, the, thing, than the truth, what they need to hear. Make sense? And so they never become whole people. So what I want to suggest today is that your words really, really matter. And as much as you might be thinking right now, yes, Mike, I know you don't have to convince me. I think I do. Because I think if you look back over the last five years, you might say, man, my, we- my words five years ago weren't everything I wanted them to be. And maybe you're not quite there yet either. And I want to inspire us to be people who speak words of creativity and life and hope and building others up. So I want to give you a little acronym. I want to suggest to you that for you and me, that we think before we speak. My mom used to say it this way, Michael, engage your brain before you open your mouth. Great advice. Think before you speak. And the acronym is think. So what you're about to say, what you're about to say, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? That's the acronym. So first of all, those words that you're about to speak, are they true? See, it's a really big deal because I told you that God sent his son Jesus as a gift to you. Jesus loves you so much. He has a plan for your past, your present, your future, your eternity. And it's an amazing plan. It's a great plan. It's a life of purpose and power and peace and love and mercy and grace. He loves you. And in John 14, verse six, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Truth matters. Tell the truth. When you tell the truth, you are cooperating with God's work in and through your life. Truth matters. And lying is exactly the opposite. Jesus said this one day to a group of religious liars, In John chapter 8, verse 44, he said this, You belong to your father, the devil. He said this to some religious liars. Keep that in mind. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You have a spiritual enemy named the devil. And you might be very religious to all outward people, but the truth is, your spiritual enemy, the devil, is coming after you. And one of the ways that he is going to come after you is he's going to tempt you to lie. And when you lie, you cooperate with his work in and through your life. Before you speak, before you speak, before you open your mouth, ask yourself this, is what I'm about to say true? It's really important. Is it true? And I was thinking, you know, why do we lie? Well, let's go back to the three categories of, of, of lies that we can tell, of, of gossip and, and slander and flattery. So that thing that I'm about to say, is it a lie? And is it a lie because I'm gossiping? Well, I was trying to ask myself this week, why would people gossip? 
We've all done it, by the way. And it, and it got me thinking about the fact that you and me, we live in, in an attention economy right now, that your attention span has become monetized. Your attention span has become monetized, which sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Because over the years, the North American attention span gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And a little, a little economics tip for you. It's the law of supply and demand. If supply goes down, it becomes more precious. As our attention spans have become smaller, they become more precious. So your attention has become monetized. And advertisers and social media and media influencers have figured out that there's really three key things that they can tell you that will hold your attention. Number one, they, they want to tell you something that makes you angry. So a headline that says something like this, you won't believe what this person is getting away with. Anything that stirs your anger will hold your attention. Secondly, anything that makes you afraid. You know, pop up that says this, simple things that you do every day that are actually killing you. Anything that makes you afraid will hold your attention. And thirdly, anything that makes you amazed, shock, value, right? So angry, afraid, amazed. What's shock value? Shock value is a headline that says something like this. Uh, you try not to faint when you see what this child star from the 90s looks like today. Whoa. And so we're raised, in a sense, in this culture where everyone is trying to make us angry, afraid, or amazed. Angry, afraid, or amazed. Angry, afraid, or amazed. And what happens is when I'm fed all this stuff that makes me angry, afraid, or amazed, next thing you know, that's how I talk to other people. I want to make you angry. You won't believe what he said. I want to make you afraid. Man, those guys are out to get you. Or I want to make you amazed. You, hey you won't believe what's happening in that family. So here's the problem. I think we need to look at changing what we put into our mind, into our lives. I love the way Philippians 4 says it. Sum it all up, friends. I'll say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise and things to curse. When we do that, suddenly we'll have things to speak about that instead of making people angry, it's going to build their love. Instead of making people afraid, it's going to grow their peace. Instead of shocking people, it's going to fill them with a sense of godly awe. So, so before you open your mouth, if you're about to speak something that isn't true, ask yourself why. Is it, it, is it because you're about to gossip? If so, you might want to look at the stuff that you're putting into your mind. Make sense? Okay, secondly, maybe you're about to slander. You're going to lie that, about that person and it's calculated and you want to hurt him. Why? A couple weeks ago, we asked this question, why are you angry? It's pretty important. Are you angry at that person? Are you bitter? Maybe that person hurt you years and years ago and you've never been able to let it go. Maybe they hurt you days and days ago and you've never been able to let it go and so you've become bitter. And the problem with bitterness is it's like drinking rat poison and waiting for the person who hurt you to die. It doesn't work that way. Bitterness hurts you. And so if you're about to slander because you're bitter, can I make a suggestion? Let it go. Let it go. Or, or, or maybe it's because 
you're jealous and you're insecure and you bought into this lie called the scarcity mentality. And the scarcity mentality says when something good happens for somebody else, there's less good stuff to go around for me. And of course that's a lie because our God is a God of more than enough. Our God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He's the God of more than enough. So you can let that scarcity mentality thing go. You don't need to be jealous and you don't need to be insecure. Or maybe you're about to slander that person because you're just a little bit self-absorbed. I'm not making fun of you, it happens in our world. And it just feels like, well, it's something to do because you're just thinking about you, but you've failed to look at the effect of what you say on other people. And I, and I think one of the things that you and I can all do is we can pray that prayer out of Ezekiel 36. God, take away my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Help me to start seeing people the way, I, the way you see people. Help me to start loving people the way that you love people. Help me to start speaking of others the way that you would speak of others. Help me to start helping people the way that you would want me to help people. So before you open your mouth and lie, ask yourself, am I about to gossip? Am I about to slander? Or finally, am I about to flatter? Again, flattery is interesting, it's conniving. You tell people what they wanna hear because you want something from them. But what happens is you end up giving them blind spots in their lives. They never become whole people. Proverbs 29 says it this way, those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. So I guess you gotta ask yourself, if you're about to flatter that person, why? Are you more concerned about their like of you or their life? Are you more concerned about their like or their life? You should care about the life they live. You should care enough about them to actually tell them the truth. And honestly, if, if, if there's somebody who you tell the truth to and they don't wanna be your friend anymore, the truth is they're really not your friend. Or, or maybe there's something that you want from them so badly, like they're, they're, they're wealthy or they're influential and you just flatter them because you want to get something from them. That's no way to live. Don't buy into that scarcity mentality. God's got more than enough. Trust him that if you honor him, if you speak truth to others in love, you'll be just fine. He's the God of more than enough. Now your words really, really matter. And I think we need to start thinking about what we speak about. It's gonna change our marriages, it's gonna change our families, it's gonna change this church and it's gonna help us change this city. So think, the first thing is, what I'm about to say, is it true? And secondly, is it helpful? See, because I think something can be true and not helpful. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's imagine that somebody's going through a really crappy 16 months, just for example. I just picked that time period out of the air. Okay, so let's say someone's having a really, really hard 16 months and a bunch of bad things have happened to them and somewhere along the way they made a mistake. And you sit down with them and go, man, you made a mistake. You really messed up. And that's the truth. Cool, man. That's really true and completely unhelpful. Ask yourself, what you're about to say, is it helpful? I heard Rick Warren say the other day that one of the most beautiful things that we can do for somebody when they're going through a difficult time is the, minister, the ministry of presence, which means this, show up and shut up. So what you're about to say, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Man, I love that word. I love that word, inspiring. Do you speak inspiring words? That word inspiring comes from the same word as respiration, same root word. In other words, inspiring is to breathe in. So I speak in such a way that others breathe in hope and breathe in love and breathe in strength and breathe in courage. Our 
we speaking inspiring words? That thing that you're about to say, is it inspiring? Is it really annoys me about flattery? Can you th think about flattery for a second. That in order for me to say something nice about the people around me, I need to make something up. That's so stupid. Open your eyes. Let's open our eyes. Let's together collectively open our eyes. Look around. Look at the beauty in the people around you. Look at the greatness in the people around you. Look at the things worth celebrating in the people around you. And the great thing about inspiration, it's not only pointing out what is, but it's dreaming about what could be, what could be. So sit down with your friends, sit down with your family, sit down with your neighbors and look ahead and look at look, and talk about what could be beautiful, what could be great, what could be worth celebrating. Be an inspiring speaker. That thing that you're about to say, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Proverbs 10 says this, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. A lot of times in our culture today, we talk a lot. What do they call it? You call that small talk, small talk, Small talk, small talk, small talk, and, and our day can be completely full of small talk. And, and I think what the danger of getting lost in small talk is, is that we miss the big talk. Like there's big things that you and me need to say, but sometimes we get, we get kind of fixated on small talk. And I think part of it for me is that I'm a little scared of silence sometimes with, when, I'm, when I'm with people. You know, like if I'm talking to somebody and there's silence, I, 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 I'm worried that maybe they're bored or maybe even worse, I'm boring. But what about being courageous enough just to let the silence sit? I have a few friends like that in my life that I can just sit and be quiet and I love it. Because I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves, uh, is all this small talk necessary? And if I was just to sit and be quiet for a moment and really think maybe some of the big talk that I need to have with people would come out. Maybe that opportunity to extend forgiveness to somebody or to seek forgiveness from another. Maybe that word of inspiration. Maybe that word of help. Maybe that word to clear a misunderstanding up. There was some gossip you heard and you're gonna go straight to the source and you're gonna deal with it. This that's big talk. So before we open our mouths, we ask ourselves, is this really necessary? Or do I need to get past the small talk, be comfortable sitting in silence for a little bit and be willing to do some big talk? So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And finally, is it kind? Be kind. Everyone you know is fighting a great battle. Kindness is an interesting one. It's kind of hard to define or objectify, isn't it? I think for me, kindness can be measured by how my heart feels before I speak to somebody. If, if my heart is for building them up and not tearing them down, building them up and not tearing them down, then the words that I'm about to speak are almost certainly going to be kind. Kindness. I think our world could need I think our world could use a little bit more kindness. So let me give you an example from a couple weeks ago. 
my day off is Friday. And on this particular Friday, I just decided I wanna do whatever my wife, Curtin wants to do. And so Corinne's been really doing a great job of, of gardening and landscaping this year. And she wanted to go get a tree. She wanted to go get a red maple tree, which now that I think about it is really patriotic of her. So we decided that I was gonna go with her. We were gonna go grab a red maple tree from the nursery. So I borrowed the church truck. Incidentally, if you ever see me driving around town in a really large Ford pickup truck, two things you should probably know. It's not mine, it's the church's. And secondly, I guarantee you as I'm driving that big pickup truck, I'm probably in a really great mood because it reminds me of my days growing up in Red Deer, Alberta, and I'm loving it. So anyways, on this particular Friday, we're on our way to go get uh, this red maple tree because we're patriotic like that. And we stop at the gas station and I'm gonna fuel up the truck. So here's what I wanna tell you, and I think many of you are gonna be able to relate. The last few years for Corinne and I have been difficult, just like it has been for many of you. And I, and I think that for us, part of it is this sense of wondering that we've tried the best that we could to spend our whole life pouring out on behalf of others and kind of come to this realization that maybe we're not sure that we have a whole lot more to pour out at times. And then also the wondering whether uh, it's even making a difference. And, and, and so what I would say is, and we love spending time together still, and we still have this like deep abiding joy. It's kind of a churchy term, but we, we got joy deep down inside of us, but, but maybe not the same level of happiness. <laughs> I'm not as exuberant as I was a few years ago. I'm a, a little more melancholy at times. And on this particular Friday, that's kind of where we were at. We were okay, but just kind of melancholy. Okay, so anyways, we're there at the gas station and I'm fueling up the truck. And as I'm fueling up the truck, I look over and there's a, another pickup truck over uh, on, on the next set of pumps. And I notice right away, there's a bunch of bikes in the back of the truck and you can tell they're all loaded up, ready to go on vacation. And I don't know why, but it kind of made me happy. And then I noticed that there was some little kids in that truck and they were kind of looking over at me. And I'm wondering like, do I really look that weird or what's going on? But I didn't really think much of it. Anyways, I'm just about done fueling up. And the guy, the dad from that pickup truck calls out. He's like, hey, is your, is your name Mike? I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir, that's my name. He says, uh, are you the pastor at Southside Church? I said, I am. He said, yeah, my kids figured. They could tell by your shoes. They like your style. And I said, wow, three of them. So there's three people in the world that like my style. That's amazing, thank you. He said, no, no, I like it too. You got the same style as me. I said, are you guys heading out on vacation? He said, we are, we're gonna gas up. I'm gonna go pick up the trailer, pick up my wife and we are out of here. I'm like, that is amazing, have a great time. And then just before he left, <clears throat> just, just before he left, he said, um, we've been watching and we love it. Bless you. And so I finished fueling up and I got in the truck and I told Corinne and it mattered. So it's just a little thing, Mike. I know, and it mattered, it was kind. I, I would suggest to you that in that moment, he was cooperating with God's work in his life. That the Holy Spirit tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, speak a word of kindness, and he did. 
I think God wants to work that way through you and me. Like I think he wants us to speak words of truth and help and inspiration, words that are necessary and words that are kind. I think it could make all of the difference, you guys. I do. At the beginning of the sermon, I was talking about how God speaks through Jesus and he speaks through the Bible. But there's another way that God speaks that I wanted to talk about today, and that's that God speaks through his Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is God with us. God to comfort us, God to direct us, God to change us. And see, I believe that there's a certain limitation. Like I can stand up here and I can tell you, man, I, I, I wanna speak words that are true and helpful and inspiring and necessary and kind. I do, I do, I do, I do. But you know what? I need God to do that. And specifically, I need the Holy Spirit to help me do that. I came up with an illustration. I was reading the other day about this candy that they make in England. Blackpool rock candy. It's amazing. Um, I, it, it tastes pretty good. But that's not the amazing part. The amazing part about it is that on each end here you say, you, you can, well, you can't read it, but I, trust me, I can read it. It says Blackpool rock. Blackpool rock. Okay? But if you break it in half, it, it's still there. So it's, it's consistent all the way through that what you see on the outside, you can also see on the inside. That's how the Holy Spirit works inside of you and works inside of me. Do you get it? That, 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 that God wants to use his Holy Spirit to change me. So what's my native language? Well, after a while, as the Holy Spirit changes me, my, my native language is true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind. Your words matter. And when you and me start speaking like that, it's gonna make a difference. It's gonna make a difference. So as I close today, I kinda wanna go back to this little piece of black pool rock candy. Consistent all the way through. And, and I guess I wanna speak to you really honestly. And I wanna suggest to you that I want your words to be true. I want them to be helpful. I want them to be inspiring. I want them to be necessary. And I want them to be kind. But I know that when you try to do that in your own strength, you can do it for a while. But really what's inside of you is eventually gonna come out. Does that make sense? And so I honestly think that for many of you watching online right now, for many of you watching in person right now, your next step is going to be to ask Jesus to change you from the inside out. Ask Jesus to send his Holy Spirit to change you so that what's on the inside is true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind, and it just flows, your words just flow from that. And as I said at the beginning of the sermon, you and me, we can't do it in our own strength. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. So for some of us, that's gonna be our next step, is to accept the gift that God gave us through the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what he'll do is he'll change you, and then slowly, over time, He's gonna change your words and you're gonna be a truth speaker. You're gonna speak helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind words to others. And man, it is going to make a difference in your life and in the life and lives of the people around you. So if today is your day that you've never accepted that free gift from Jesus, I wanna pray for you right now. So if you don't mind, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes if you're here in person. If you're online, you don't have to do that. You can do that if you want. But I would like you to do this. If today is the day with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if today is the day that you wanna step up and you wanna make 
that commitment and say, Jesus, save me, change me, help me. Man, I would love to pray for you. So if you don't mind, why don't you raise your hand right now? You just raise it up right where you are and make that decision. Okay, I'm gonna pray out loud right now and I just invite you to pray silently along with me. So dear Jesus, thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you that you came and you died and you rose again for me. And so today I invite you to be my savior. I wanna move past my past today. And, and, and I acknowledge you as my Lord. Pray that you give me the strength to live the life that I was created to live today, tomorrow, and forever. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to change me. Change not only the words I speak, but just the life I live. I thank you. I trust you in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just raised your hand or if you're online and you didn't raise your hand, whatever, if you just made that commitment, I am so absolutely proud of you and excited for you. So what I want you to do is I want you to just take a second, please, and text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We wanna send you some information. We wanna find out what we can do to help you. We wanna get you connected because life is way better together. So why don't you take a second and do that right now. And for all the rest of you, man, I want you to dream I want you to dream of a world. I'm sitting there, listen, I'm sitting there fueling up a Ford pickup truck. And my life, my life, my life got a little bit brighter because somebody allowed God to speak through them. What if that became the norm around here? Oh, the best really would be yet to come. I love you guys and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.